Welcome to Tripping Over the Barrel, a series that highlights the unique personalities within the oil and gas industry and the stories they have to share with your hosts and lead storytellers, Tilo and Dr. Funkenstein. And we're back, Tripping Over the Barrel, this time with the bearded beast, oh, Justin Gauthier. Man, that's almost as bad as when JP tries to say it. I'm just kidding. That was that was good. No, I, I appreciate the intro. That was pretty solid. I gotta say that's let's like, go with, so let's let's get the exact pronunciation. Okay, so Justin's pretty standard, like whether yep. you're in Canada or the US. <laughs> uh but then so the, the way my grandmother would pronounce it is Gautier. Yeah. Uh but then if you're in South Louisiana, it's Goche. Mm. So one of the two or a combination of somehow is pretty solid. But if I introduce myself, I just say Justin Goche. So yeah, that's pretty right. much it. Well, but I've mean- heard everything from Gunther to Gothier to uh, <laughs> some other weird stuff. And I mean, that's for me too. Like when I when I'm podcasting, I always try and ask people's names, even if it looks like Paul Smith. I'm like, can you please pronounce your name? Because I will somehow mess it up. And uh, yeah, so the, the name thing, especially growing up and always hearing people like mispronounce it, uh, I try and respect other people's names. So <laughs> yeah, you're you're speaking to the choir here, buddy. Right. So I'm going to ask you, is it, is it looser, loser, loser? What, how do you pronounce your name? Loser. Loser. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I mean, it's it, it, some sort of German derivation of uh, Loza. And when he got over here, it was loser. And some okay. poor, unfortunate farmer couldn't spell it, told yeah. the census guy, hey, it's pronounced loser. And the guy writes it down. And that's where my wing of the family is stuck with. Right. I hear you. And then there's Funk, which is like the coolest last name ever. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I uh, you should that. see. Uh huh. You should see their Facebook post that keepers of defunct and all of that. And <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. You know. It's it's you can't like really put a like an accent spin on it, but I mean just the fact that it's it's funk, it's it's awesome. So so I like it. I got a spin on this whole conversation. So a friend of mine, good friend of mine from Canada, came down to work in Houston for. I don't know, three or four years. Yeah. And he was getting fed up with words that were clearly French words. Oh, and yeah. Like, like Foyer. And just getting really worked up over how we, we, we <laughs> yeah. pronounce them, you know, uh, yeah. Foyer, Foyer, whatever. So anyway, he's working for this company, well, Pennzoil at the time. And he stumbles across this guy's name, Claude Picard. And he goes, yeah. oh, finally, another Canuck I can talk to. So he picks up the phone and calls this guy and the guy answers the phone claude pickard just Hell, yeah. no. just killed him he's like are you just kidding killed me? him it's like <laughs> finally i'm gonna speak to someone who knows how to s- pronounce something and it claude pickard yeah Hello. well you know what it's it's funny so like talking about that it's uh so my wife's from and again it's they pronounce it lafayette right like but when i met her and she her family's like oh you know from uh, louisiana lafayette blah blah i was like you mean lafayette because in french it'd be like lafayette but right. down, it's like, so it's weird. Even people within Louisiana who should know how to pronounce French words, they still somehow don't pronounce them correctly, uh, which is really funny to me. And actually speaking of Lafayette, you're in Lafayette, yeah. but you're in the Colorado Lafayette, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's so random. Why are you up there? What are you doing up there? Do you live up there? Here? I live here. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Nice. I love it. I was, I love it. I was Colorado Lafayette. Awesome. Awesome. Really, really nice town. I mean, it's like on the eastern part of, of Boulder County not too far from Denver. So there's like oil wells just over here. And then people who strongly oppose any sort of oil drilling over here. So do you have and to be kind of like very close proximity? Yeah, I am very much so. 
Very much yeah, so. Yeah, it depends on what side of the tracks you're on. You have to like really be careful what you say and how you speak and what kind of shirt you're wearing and stuff. Yeah, everybody has an opinion too. Yeah, right? <laughs> one That's good though. That's good. Yeah, people, That's what makes things exciting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, as long as research is done. So, so where you're yeah. Canadian, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so uh, I was born in Calgary, Alberta, uh, yep. and lived downtown Calgary with my mom until I was five. And then she moved hmm. us out to BC. So I grew up in Vernon, oh. British Columbia, uh, which if you're not familiar, if you were to look at Vancouver and you look at Calgary on a map, it's dead smack in the middle. Uh, so it's in the Rocky Mountains. They call it, it it's it's the valley, but uh, grew up in uh, in Vernon there. And, and then when I was 18, I bounced back to Alberta to start working drilling rigs. So Wow. But uh, yeah, Calgary is is definitely home. I would say, actually, I'd say probably more BC is more home for me. Um, sure. I mean, that's you know, growing up, going to high school, and that's where all the memories were made, and um, a lot of the foggy memories were also made. So <laughs> it's BC, right? So that's cool. so I'm, I'm going through your your profile, and it strikes me you, you oh, said you're going to work on the rigs, but man, so you were actually were on the rig floor, hands dirty. The oh, whole yeah. bit, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a funny story, actually. Uh, so I was in high school, and like the only thing, and I'll be totally transparent, the only thing I cared about in high school was partying, sports, and girls. Right. So like I didn't really know what I wanted to do after high school. I just figured like being a socialite would like somehow carry me through life, which obviously, I mean, now might kind of <laughs> does. But uh, I say that to say this my cousin who worked for FMC. Uh, in Calgary, came to visit one Christmas. And I think I was in like grade, I was in, yeah, I was in grade 12 high school. So ready to graduate, didn't know what I wanted to do, but knew I could go play for the Okanagan Sun, which is a, which is like a junior uh, football team. And so nice. I was like, oh, if anything, I'll, you know, just continue to play football. And so, but I wanted to make money. Like, cause I was like, well, it's nice to live here where, you know, you got the ski resorts, you got the freshwater lake. So, I mean, sure. all winter long, I was in the mountains doing all the fun stuff. And then in the summertime doing, you know, water sports, wakeboarding and partying oh, yeah. on the beach with, with the boys and, and girls and everything else. But, um, I was like, well, shit, I, I mean, I can't make that much money playing junior football. I'll probably get hurt. And then my aspirations to get to the CFL are going to be shot. So yeah. I, and I told my cousin who's was selling wellheads for FMC, uh, I was like, man, you got to get me a job. Cause all you do is you, all you do is talk about going fishing, golfing, going to sporting events <laughs> and drinking like a lot, uh, during the day with clients. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, yeah. want, I, I can do that. Like that's I want to fish and play golf and drink with people all day. Yeah. And make like stupid amounts of money and build yeah. fancy houses. And I'm like, you're living the dream, uncle John. And, or I called him Uncle John, but he was my cousin, which is totally random. But anyway, uh, so like Uncle John, uh, you, you got to get me a job doing what you're doing. He's like, yeah, I'll get, get you a job doing, you know, we'll get you in the oil field. And I was like, sweet, sign me up. So he proceeded to uh, uh, basically push me to go to Pitts, which is Petroleum uh, Petroleum Industry Training Center in Nisku, Alberta. And so instead of me going downtown Calgary, uh, partying with all the salesmen, I ended up getting stuck on a drilling rig when I was 18. <laughs> and I was like, this doesn't seem similar to what you do. And then I quickly realized, where's the oh, drinking come in? Yeah. Which we this did drink back fun. then. I mean, granted, I mean, I'm not that old. I'm 35 and 2004 wasn't that long ago, but we still drank on location back then. And so it was, you know, it was, you know, you're moving the rig and everyone's drinking, uh, you know, we've, like after you, you know, sun goes down, whatever. But 
Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm drinking, but it's with a bunch of rig hands. This is definitely not what I was expecting. And so anyway, I realized, yeah, you got to work in the field uh, and put your time in before someone's just going to throw you in an office and start uh, selling stuff. But anyway, that's, yeah. I don't even know if that was a good question, but uh, that's how I got into, oh yeah, Tim, you asked. Yeah, that's how I started working rigs was trying to get a sales gig downtown Calgary and I ended up on a rig and uh, I think like. So were you actually roughnecking, roustabouting? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I started off as a lease hand, scrubbing toilets, uh, getting newspapers from town for the tool pusher, scrubbing the rig, hating my life uh, for (laughs) freezing. Yeah, and freezing, yeah. I remember the coldest it was, we were, I remember I was strapping casing. um, And if anyone is familiar with rigs, you know what it is. But yeah, you're you're measuring the casing before it goes down holes. So as a roughneck, you don't know what the heck you're doing. All you're doing is standing there. You got this long-ass tape measure. And you're like basically glancing at numbers and you don't even really care. So you just throw out some random numbers. Most of the time you round up, round down, which <laughs> now I'm like, wow, that was a really bad mistake. Uh, <laughs> because they would take your, they would take their, your word for it, I think. And so it's like, oh yeah, these, these roughnecks that are in their, you know, 18, 20 years old are, you know, telling us our casing tile. Like that just seems to me kind of backwards, but uh, it was minus, it was minus 40 with a minus 60 wind show. And oh. uh, yeah, it was really Damn. cold. Um, you know, so, you, you know, you, you really, you know, you're all bundled up, you can barely move and, and then you sweat. So you take layers off, but then you stand around for too long and then you freeze and then you get frostbite. And it's just this like this terrible cycle. And you get awesome. really drunk that night and then you go to work and you don't really remember much. And then it's noon and you're like, wow, I forget how I got here this morning. And it's just, uh, it's a great time. Uh, you know, it's, almost <laughs> it's like, a great time. Yeah. You know, looking up. I don't looking know back, that. it was, a, it was a good experience. Um, it was almost like, like, it's funny because I feel like, you know, men, we, we don't always get a rite of passage. Like women go through that with just naturally. They get a rite of passage. They grow in puberty. And us as men, we really don't have like a true rite of passage. And for me doing that, in my opinion, hmm. uh, was kind of a rite of passage because I was, you know, just I had never really had my I'd never really been in that position where like I had to work and prove myself and you know, you're in the middle of nowhere, freezing, life sucks, kind of depressed because all your buddies back home. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a good time though. I don't know if I would have done anything else. I don't know if I was capable of doing anything else, to be honest. <laughs> so, you, so you're out there and you're like, man, I'm scrubbing this, this toilet out here on the rig. Yeah. One day I'm going to have a podcast about this. Yeah. I'm going to talk about this and people are going to be like, wow. That's, people are going to actually cool. listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not cool. Yeah, no, it's it's like silly, right? It's like, why didn't you go to school? Like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? But in hindsight, I didn't like I didn't know what I wanted to do. So it would have been stupid for me to go to school and sit there. And I mean, I didn't listen in high school. I sure as heck wasn't going to start listening in college. So that sounds like uh, Colin right here. Seriously. Yeah, we but certainly so, let me ask you. So <laughs> learn yeah. on the job. We had Colin on, uh, I guess it was our second or third podcast. And one of the things yeah. we got into were kind of those uh, pranks they play on the new guys that come out yeah. to the rig. Yeah. What's yeah, your uh, yeah. what's your best prank you got pulled on you or one you pulled on the new guy? Um, I mean, we 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 got the unlock the V door thing and all that. Yeah. But, so yeah. I, I'm a, one I remember quite vividly is is we were logging and they told me uh, to because you know it's like oh we're gonna start logging and I was like okay like you know of course right away I think in trees and logs and I again when you're on a rig and it was a roughneck you don't have no understanding of what is actually going on. Like you're just in this big iron jungle and there's tools and shit flying around and you, you don't know, like you're drilling a hole and you're producing oil. Like 
once you kind of start asking questions, but I was like logging. Okay, whatever. I'm sure there's something to do with trees around here because we're in the forest in Canada. <laughs> and so there's lots of trees to go logging. And so like, it. yeah, here's a hacksaw. We, we need that tree over there, that oh, tree in this tree. So, no oh, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm out there just hacking away, cutting down oh logs God. and trying to find the straight. Because, of course, like, hey, they need to be straight. They need to be this diameter. They need to be this length. Oh, my God, dude. And so and then it's they're all just. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm doing this and I'm looking back up the, at the rig because, you know, they, they can see me because you can't really get too far off into the boonies or something will happen. But. <laughs> like why are they all looking at me and just the body language i could tell they were like kind of laughing like one guy's got his hand on his knees like ah, ha, ha. I'm like <laughs> these motherfuckers man so i like start stomping back and uh, so anyway that that one for me right i remember but there was tons i mean that's awesome that that's yeah, a good whole, one yeah yeah because <laughs> i don't know if you like in west texas and, and even a lot of the rigs that i've been on down here because i was a mud engineer for a while down in the states a lot of times you're in like you know, farmland or the desert and stuff. So, but in Canada, if you're, unless you're drilling like Bach and stuff, if you're anywhere as Northwest, North or Northwest of Calgary, you're typically in the bush, we call it. Yeah. And it's, you're surrounded by forest. And so like, you're basically in this like little pad and then all around you is forest for friggin' hours on end. So mm. it's easy to go logging when you're in the middle of forest. <laughs> well, and, and you probably know a bunch of loggers. You yeah, know, well, growing up in BC, yeah, growing up in BC, I was like, I was like, well, of course, I I can cut logs. I'm from freaking British Columbia. I'm like, that's mostly <laughs> what we do. And so it's about time you put something in my wheelhouse. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I can do this. I can identify different types of branches and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. an arborist, but I'm close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was, so, uh, it was good. How, so then, then take me through. So, so you're yeah. doing this in Canada, right? You learn on the job. Then talk to talk to us about. Um, how you ended up in the States? You're in uh, Katy, right? Yeah, I'm in Katy, Texas right now. Um, so, I mean, I could easily give you like the long of it, but really what happened, you know, grow, you know, on the rigs, I realized it was a means to now. I'm like, I'm not going to do this forever. You're surrounded by a bunch of negative influences and no disrespect to people on the rigs. I have nothing but the utmost respect. But the folks that I worked with were, they were miserable. They were divorced. They didn't have any money. And it was just, you know, they weren't influential people to be around. I was like, I need to get the hell out of here. Like, this is not who I am. And I'm a city boy. Like, a lot of those guys were like farmers, um, grew up in the country. They like being kind of out in the boonies. I don't like that. Like, I like being in the city where there's energy, people. Like, that's just my yeah. style. Um, so I was like, you know, and isolated with a bunch of dudes. I'm like, you know, clearly as an 18-year-old, the last thing I want to do is be isolated with guys. So I was like, I need to get out of here. So I, I actually, so we were, we were drilling some wells for Petro Canada. And I kind of... You know, I realized I'm like, I need to talk to someone who's above this and really just start understanding like what this industry is about and like where the where the money's at. I'm like, wherever the most money at is at, I want to go there. And so uh, the the company man for Petro Canada told me, he's like, I tell him like, how can I get in your position? Like, all you do is sit in your trailer house and you just like swear and scream at people all day long. Tell get, people what to do. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I want that job. Right. Of course. And so he's like, well, you, he's like, well, then you get better get the hell out of here. He's like, you're better off going back to school. I was like, oh God, like this, the word school frightened the hell out of me. Cause you know, again, like, like growing, like in high school, I, I was like, I was, I was a good student because I, I was, I, I could somehow talk my teachers into giving me decent grades, but I didn't do any work. So, no. um, again, just not school is not designed for everybody. Um, I'm in school now doing well, but my whole, my mindset is totally different. But anyway, back then I didn't care about school. I just did whatever I had to do to get by. And I was I was a personable person. So teachers somehow liked me and they knew my parents because small town, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, 
I was like, school, are you serious? I was like, well, what should I do? He's like, you should do petroleum engineering. If you want to get, make the big bucks in this industry, go do petroleum engineering. I was like, Oh shit, here we go. So anyway, I, I applied at SAIT, did the, did the petroleum engineering technology degree. And up there it's, I don't know, it's not a, it's not a four year degree, but it's like a, it's, it, and it's not an associates. I don't even know what they would consider it down here. But anyway, I did that, got that. And then, uh, got hired on with Canadian energy services, which is a drilling fluids, uh, provider up in Canada. They hire me on after I graduated in 09, but it was things were pretty shitty back then. And it was just yeah. kind of slowly starting to get back. Yep. And I don't, I don't know exactly what it was like down here, but up there it was pretty, pretty crappy at the time. So there was well, no we just job. come off of what 140 per barrel. Yeah, it was just this like we were on the back side of that 140. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember when I was on the rigs, we were ha- we were hiring dudes like from Walmart, and I was like, these guys don't even know how to like swing a hammer. And I, and I didn't really know much about hammers either. But sure. once I figured it out and saw these guys come on rig, I'm like, why are we hiring all these? Like everyone was like, Oh, we're so busy, and like people were coming and going from different rigs. And I was like, Man, this is a strange thing and they told like at the time they're like yeah it's so busy we can't keep up but i didn't know again just whatever yeah. but coming well they out, had uncle john's too uncle yeah yeah exactly no probably so uh but but anyway so yeah do the school thing had a hard time getting a job my buddy chad hayden for all i will forever i mean do anything i can for him he's up in canada still crushing it but uh his uncle was the c or he still is the coo of ces um they were looking for a guy. Chad put my name in the hat. I went and interviewed, got hired, was there for a year, bounced to the States. Cause I told them when I got hired, like, well, what do you want to do with your life? And I was like, I want to, I want to go like overseas. I want to go to the mm. States. Like, I don't want to stay in Canada. Like there's so much out there and it sounds like oil and gas can get me wherever the hell I want to go. Mm. And he was like, they're like, okay. And so we had, at, in 2010, we had bought a company called fluids management out of Houston. And, uh, they were a drilling fluids company that was primarily focused down here on the Gulf coast. Um, and one of their biggest customers was heading up to, uh, the Marcellus when the shale revolution began in 2010. So I was able to, uh, get transferred from Calgary, uh, down to, uh, Pittsburgh. So then I, nice. that was my first stop in the States was in Pittsburgh and word of advice for any young, eager about to maybe get married kids or young gentlemen out there. Talk to your fiance before accepting a job in another country. It's a lot easier conversation. Sage advice. Yeah. But, you know, of course, so it was crazy because we were building a house at the time. And uh, I had actually, I had bought a condo uh, when I was 19 in Calgary and sold sold it and, and just starting to build a house with my fiance at the time. And, uh, and anyway, yeah. So again, it's just funny because she always bugged me. She said, "Yeah, you didn't. We were building a home, and then you came to my parents' house because that's where we were living at the time. We're like, yeah, I'm moving to Pennsylvania." And she was like, "Wait, you're what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, our house is halfway built. What are you oh talking about God. moving to Pennsylvania?" I was like, "Yeah, no, it's a great opportunity. Like, we'll figure it out. No brainer." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's you know kind of funny. Um, but anyway, that's uh, long story to a short answer or to a short question. But that's how I ended up in the states. <laughs> So P- Pittsburgh first and then eventually to Houston since it's sort of just the capital of all of it, right? Yeah, I was there. Um, I, w- I wasn't really feeling Pennsylvania. I was I was used to Calgary, so I was used to just kind of a different lifestyle. And, and Pittsburgh different. was nice, don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but like the East it. Coast, like yeah, I, I mean, the East Coast is pretty cool, but it just it wasn't for me. My wife didn't quite like it, and I already pissed her off enough. I was like, well, where do you think we could go? And it made sense because her family was from Lafayette. Our oh, corporate yeah. office was here. I was like, I need to figure out how to get to the to Houston. 
And uh, anyway, I, I was I went from there to Houston and then from Houston to Denver for about a year and a half and then ended up nice. back in Houston. Yeah. So uh, Denver's got a pretty big spot in my heart. I, I That's where I started my sales career. And I've got a lot of friends and in close people uh, up there. And my wife does as well. And uh, so I'm a huge fan of Colorado, a big fan of Denver. It's very similar to Calgary. I mean, anyone oh, yeah. that I've talked to that's been to both, they're like, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's very similar. So strikingly yeah. similar. Yeah, they're yeah, really we, yeah. sister yeah. cities, really. Yeah, yeah. we, we uh, definitely. I mean, uh, culturally, too, has has a similar feel to it. Just a little bit colder up in uh up in Calgary. Where did you live when you were down here in Denver? What were you, what were you doing? Was that oil and gas related as well? Yep. Yep. I was in the, so I, I had went, I was in the field for a bit. I had went back to the field just to gain a little more experience on the drilling fluid side of things, not from just roughneck perspective. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I got, I was at a competitor, got hired back on, they moved me up there, gave me an opportunity to start in sales. And so I was living downtown right by Coors field called, uh, uh, I don't know if anyone's familiar with View House, but it's like oh, right yeah, behind course. there. Yeah, what a spot. so what a great spot. I lived. Yeah, View House is is awesome. Uh, all the bars down around that area are great. Obviously, Coors Field was right there. So, if you're a salesman in Denver, being downtown is where you want to be. So yeah, it was it was yeah. a good time, uh, and I lived downtown and spent most of my time, you know, entertaining and trying to drum up work and get my name out there. So it was uh, oh, yeah. my liver uh, didn't like it, but I <laughs> sure did. And from the looks of you, I'm guessing you you sampled much of the craft beer scene. You know what's funny? Denver. I don't like beer at all. Which oh, is no. so weird. Yeah, yeah you I look don't. like such a guy you'd see at a brewery. Though. I know, right? It's so weird. Like I like that's the thing. I I, I when people zig, I zag. So uh <laughs> you know, it's but it's weird. Like I've never been a big fan of beer. I grew up drinking like hard alcohol. I say grew up drinking, but when I actually started drinking, it, it was always hard alcohol. I didn't like beer. Um I don't mind like if I'm golfing a cold beer, but of course now I'm like, you know, watch my calories. So it's white claws and all that, you know, funny stuff. But, uh, I can't like a, like a, the dark, the IPA stuff. Oh man, I, don't oh, know, I can't do it. That's, that's where it. Jeremy lives right there. That's the IPAs. Stuff. And I wish I did. Cause it's like a, it, to me, it's all, it's like a cultural thing, right? It's like, or like, it's like a, it's a community of like these IPA beer drinkers and they all get together and they like sample this cool beer and I'll take, and I taste it all. And, to me, it just tastes like burnt coffee or something. I'm like, oh, what is this? But no, nah, I don't know. In- interesting. I mean, well, it, yeah. well, you must do CrossFit then if it's not right. I mean, <laughs> do you need CrossFit? CrossFit, bro? <laughs> it's yeah. got to be CrossFit. I don't know. CrossFitters drink beer too. I don't know. It's true. It's the same people that you see at the brewery. Yeah, the weird cults, right? I know. I get. Yeah. It. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and now you're in one too, the podcaster cult. Yeah. Right. It's, you have to belong to, you have to belong to something, right. Or else you're, you just feel lonely, but, um, I don't mind being alone. Actually, I quite enjoy it. I'm one of those like weird extrovert introvert people, Yeah, but I, I do not, like I, I would easily travel the world by myself and have no problem doing it. I would think it'd be a blast. I'm guessing in your sales career, you've had to do that a little bit. In a sense, and 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 honestly, I grew up an only child, so I was forced to be okay being by myself most of the time, um, unless I was like playing sports. And you know, big shout out to my parents—they put me in like every sport possible, including figure skating. So I was never <laughs> shy of doing things with including other people. Figure skating, yeah, which is odd because I didn't even play hockey growing up. I only figure skated, which is really weird. But another story there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. What? 
And I didn't, so okay, I guess I'll tell it. So of course, like I played a bunch of sports. I, you know, and in, in, in the winter, I, it was, you know, football kind of led into basketball. It was like fall going into winter. So I played basketball and then I snowboarded on the weekends and hockey basically was right in the middle of all that. And so I, yeah. I told my, my parents, I'm like, Oh, I want to play hockey. You know, it looks awesome. And I loved football and, you know, action and hitting people. So I was like, I want to do that. And my mom was like, well, you know, it's, it's going to interfere with all the other stuff you're doing. She's like, but why don't you take power skating to see like, if you can become a good skater? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do power skating is what she <laughs> called it. But it was freaking figure skating. It was, it wasn't <laughs> it was power skating. What's not that? power skating. It's not <laughs> no. power skating. Like, wait, how come it's all <laughs> it's girls? It's not power with, skating? Yeah, this figure is. Figure skating. It says, this looks more like figure skating, mom. Like, but thanks. And so it was like me, like one other guy and like a bunch of, you know, girls which i was the only one wearing hockey skates and everyone else had these like the little white booty skate things uh um, you, you showed up to power skate man and, i did you know, they I showed up to figure skate so. exactly um <laughs> but come to find out so i always bug my mom about this I'm like mom why did you do that to me growing up like i have such a complex from it which i don't but it's really just funny um but one of my customers who also grew up in canada who is from Drayton Valley. I was telling him this story when I was in Midland like a week ago. And uh, and I was like, man, my mom did this to me, this and that. And he was like, no. It's like, we all did the same thing. Like most of the hockey players where I'm from, we all did figure skating and, and like skating lesson type stuff to get really good at skating. And then wow. I was like, damn, my mom was onto something. And, but I didn't like it. So of course I quit and just stuck with basketball and snowboarding. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, so I don't drink funny. beer and I never played hockey for the truly zigging and zagging from all Canadian. Yeah, I know. It's Canadian so culture. I know. I know. I make my own culture, I guess. I don't know. That's, uh, that's all good. So, Tim, go ahead. I got a let's, question. Let's go pivot ahead. a little. I want to pivot to. Yeah. I've got two ways I want to take this to the to the podcast thing. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm get Well, this is kind of weird because you're with OGGN. We're Digital Wildcatters. I guess right. they're rival the podcasts, man. No, no, I Tim. Play. I can't believe we had him on from the competition. I, you know yeah. what I think it is, right? It's you guys are spying. Or maybe I'm spying. Yeah, what the hell, man? Why right. is it us? Well, you, you know, the last, you gotta, the last you podcast host the last podcast host we had on joined Digital Wildcatters. Immediately. So, so you're yeah. next. Yeah, and know, we, and we right? kicked That's off. We kicked off uh, Chuck Yates' career. He came on our show and then instantly started his own podcast. So, right, it's gone well well, obviously it hasn't helped him because he still doesn't have a job, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> somebody was talking to me yesterday about him. They go, "So Chuck Yates doesn't actually need a job." I'm like, no, I think Chuck's okay for the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like <laughs> he's taking uh, a break. That's like David. Uh, everyone knows him as DRW. Dubs. Uh, yeah. So I, I met him a long time ago, and. Um, yeah, I wouldn't consider him a friend. Like, I don't talk to him like on a regular basis. But if I text him, he says, "Hey," and we, you know, every once in a while. And if I'm in Denver, I'll typically go have coffee with him. But I love that when you know he obviously has done well in his career. Went and I mean, he's done like Uber driving, right? Yeah, and then yeah. uh, now he's working for Hitachi, which I haven't talked to him since he got on. I know there. I wanted to talk to him about that. Yeah, actually. I'm curious how things are going, and I doubt he listens to many podcasts, especially if it's people he talks to on a regular basis. He's probably not listening to this, but I owe him a, at least a call or a text to, to see how he's doing. But um yeah so we're rivals this is pretty intense like, i know we might not air it because i don't like your reasons i don't also, like mark lacour i don't like you the, the whole crew you guys are just thank you i like that though at least you're thinking yeah, about me. i'm just kidding no i mean one of, one of our bits that we do all the time is 
failed sales presentations, which I think you can also participate in. You've, <laughs> you've done enough of these things. But yes. it also strikes me because it's happened to Jeremy and I, a failed podcast where like what JP's? crazy things have happened to you during the middle of a podcast to kind of wreck a podcast? You know, and I, it's, I can't say, so I've, I've done, so I'm on like 130 episodes now with OGGN and I'm about 120. Yeah, I appreciate it. And and 120 or so for my internal podcast that uh, I, myself and Matt Offenbacher started for AS Drone Fluids. And I can't say other than just the typical, like, oh, I forgot to push record or, you know, I've, I had a, a room booked at the Canon and all of a sudden I went over time and people are like knocking frantically, like this is our time. And so then like having to fr- like stop it and then like start recording again, nothing's really been like crazy, crazy. Like, like I, I wish I had a better story and I, unfortunately I don't. The well, only let's, I'll give you one from, from Jeremy and I that you I can was going to ask you, what do you about yeah. you guys? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the technology we use Zencaster, you have to be on a laptop with Chrome or, uh, edge you can't use safari that's one yeah. thing yeah but we had a guy who was i guess didn't have wi-fi connection in his house so he's using his phone as a hotspot. <laughs> and oh, i geez. think and i think he was doing it from his kitchen okay. and his wife was cleaning the kitchen while he's it's talking just, to us so you hear so pots and pans oh, you hear pots and pans going in the background and then he gets a phone call <laughs> we're like i think he's he's not there but uh so his no. Hotspot just disappears for a second. We lose <laughs> what? it. What? Yeah. Oh my god! It, it was really. It, it was a, one of those scary moments because he was kind of mid-story too. It was a, one of the better parts of the story. Is like, what just happened? So Jeremy <laughs> and I are just, what's going on? And eventually yeah, he, he comes back like, and he's he comes back mid-sentence like he never stopped talking the whole time. <laughs> right. That's so. Anyway, boy. that was. Oh boy. So anyway, that's. We probably That's edited crazy. four of our of our podcasts, and that was one of them where we actually had to cut out a segment. So did he have like? You, so he basically took the call and didn't skip a beat, and then like proceeded to continue his conversation. Is that? I think that, it was just the phone. I don't think he answered the phone. Yeah. The oh. call just knocked out the hotspot. Oh, exactly. so we lost him on the computer. <laughs> oh, I thought he took the call and they like, didn't say anything, and then all that of a sudden like funny. jumped back into the conversation. Uh, hang on, guys, I got to take this call real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I guess prefer that's, if you did. Yeah, that, I've had to do that too. Like you know, again, I, I my career is in sales, and so like if yeah. a customer calls me, and and there's certain ones like I know I I need. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I better answer the damn phone. For I was sure. in the middle of a podcast, and like I, I never met the lady, and I was like, look, like like this is a side hustle for me, and so like <laughs> the priority is like my career, and I need to take this. Like, please excuse yeah. me. She was like. Uh, okay. And so like, I, and of course it was like a, not a, just a, Oh, Hey, uh, uh, okay. Okay. Cool. Call you later. It was like 20 minutes and I was just like, yeah, she's right. probably losing her mind right now. Oh, but I hate that. yeah, so that was kind of frustrating, but yeah, no, like, but one thing too that, and I've only had it a couple of times. Um, and maybe have you guys ever had where someone will record with you and then they'll email you and be like, I didn't like how I said this. Can you cut that? Can you not include this question? And then before you yeah, know it, it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, what like i mean we should just probably re-record not me <laughs> try and sit there for hours and it's not me yeah. doing it but like i also have respect for the editor like i don't want no doubt um him to have to like have like 30 different edits and then yeah he he like sent me a, a script that he was asking if he could record over a question that he had answered he wants to answer oh my that. god and i was just like dude like no i'm sorry like this is not happening and i don't even think we actually included it 
uh, in the episodes, but, and, 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 and go figure, he was an engineer. <laughs> so <laughs> the well, Jeremy, you, you got the, you stepped on it once, right? Uh, I've done a lot of stupid things. No, I'm, with Forsberg. Uh, oh, with Forsberg. Yeah, 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 yeah. What happened? Yeah. Well, he had, he wanted us to cut it at the end. Cause I said something like, Hey, you know, and if you're looking to invest, you, you really need to talk. He's like, Hey, so everything was great except for that last bit. I can get in serious trouble from the uh, SEC. So just <laughs> cut that last part at the end. I'm like, got it, right? I'm not going to try to raise any money for your company on my podcast. Got it. No doubt. If anything, we had thanked you. We had another podcast <laughs> where one of the guys had to cut out. He had a meeting, so he was gone. We had two guys on. <laughs> yeah. He cuts out, and it, it, it actually – cut the whole thing off. It cut the whole thing off. So oh, I had no. to come back in the next week and record an exit, or we called an outro, which is opposite of an intro, I guess. Yeah. So record, I had to go record an outro by myself and hope that it married in nicely. I still haven't yeah. listened to that. Did you listen to it, Jeremy? Uh, I didn't listen to the end. I listened to the first like 30 minutes or so of that one, but I haven't gotten to the end. You yeah. know, I, I used to be like, listen to it, watch it right as it came out, like critique oh, my man. words. And now I'm like four behind consistently. <laughs> I, like, I need to sit down and catch up. You know, it's, it's one of those things too. It, I, at first I treated it like, like sports, like, you know, back in the day you'd play a game and you'd watch film. I kind of treated it yeah. like that. And I, I would record and then I would listen and, and like, Oh, I should answer it this way, this and that. But yeah, at the end of the day, you just get, you you, you get to, uh, you know, things happening busy. And the next thing you know, it's like, Oh, I've listened to like 18 episodes. Now I've, I've probably listened to like five or six of my own episodes, but oh, wow. I just feel like the reps are really where the, like the like just doing more of it is, absolutely gets you better um and then two it's like i am who i am so if i listen to it i mean should i try and i mean obviously you want to try and get better but i just feel like it's just like exercising or doing anything the more you do it the better you're going to get and then people yep. if you're open enough people will give you some constructive criticism which is always great um, yeah, I'm but, not, um, I'm not, I'm not open to that. So no, I've okay. made that very clear. I, early <laughs> like, don't on, my, tell me anything. My wife was like, Oh, so, um, really good. So I was kind of thinking, I'm like, no, Ooh, uh, I'm not actually open to anyone's <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> no, uh, I'm not changing shit. <laughs> we already mentioned Mark. It's good the way it is. We already mentioned Mark on the show here, but Mark yeah. LaCroix, I was talking to him and, and he says, uh, man, I've been listening to you and Jeremy's podcast and, uh, the first eight or so, you really sucked, but you guys <laughs> oh, have wow. gotten good. And uh, and he said, it's great because it usually takes 20 episodes before people start getting good. And I was like, oh, well, I guess we're ahead of the curve. You maybe. got good on episode eight or nine. Nice. Like, that's, well, that's quite the compliment. I, from that guy? Of course, man. Like, he's, yeah. he's got a million downloads or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, well, now it's definitely more than that. Well, yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. So yeah. What, is, um, what is the story with your podcast? What is, what's the angle yeah, what you is, have what is just to promote it here? Um, so mine, it's very similar to your guys's actually is it's, uh, it, it's, it's an interview style podcast. Um, at first it was my, my intentions to doing it was I saw in oil and gas, the need for, you know, people to create awareness around certain initiatives, whether it was business technology, mm -hmm. storytelling, uh, cause we were so far behind on like telling the, a, or like the, the oil and gas story. Absolutely. And I just, I love networking and meeting new people. And I was like, well, what a better way to do it through podcasting. Um, and then part of that too, was I wanted to, I wanted to humanize our industry a little bit to where, because obviously if you have, if you're on the internet, anyone can access it, but oil and gas folks are, are notorious for preaching to the choir. You'll go on LinkedIn or like anything like, 
yeah, it's like everyone bands together and tells each other how great oil and gas is and, you know, screw everyone else and whatever the case is. But it's like, well, no, like if we actually want to make some change, we need to start preaching to people who otherwise don't like oil and gas. So I was like, well, maybe I can get some cool people on that aren't your stereotypical oil and gas uh, people to where then hopefully someone at some point who's not an oil and gas will listen to like, and these guys are pretty cool. Or this yeah. lady's really cool or wow, they're actually very intelligent and they've got some great technology like, you know, and hopefully change the perception to where then like we can spread the good word. Um, and, and so that was also uh, part of it as well. And so, yeah, it's it would, the cool thing. And I almost like now in hindsight, I wish I would have not named it oil and gas on shore because I think then it kind of pigeonholes me. But but it's I mean, it, it's good for what it is. But I've had so many people that aren't in oil and gas who have nothing to do with onshore oil and gas. Um, I've interviewed folks on the renewable side. Um, I, I know and I'm friends with some awesome people on the renewable side. So I'm not going to yeah. sit here and bash renewables at all because I think we need all energy, not just Absolutely. one or the other. Um, it's a game of and, not or. So anyway. Um, but uh, so anyway, I don't know if that really answers your question, but that was, that's kind of the, the thesis behind the, the podcast. and kind of, you know, go where it, you know, kind of going in with the flow. And I had like, I had this guy on yesterday, his name is Mike Morosky. And he like had the most phenomenal story I've ever heard in my life. And, or one of them, it was cool because he's, he's, so he's from Chicago. He built this like badass real estate company. He ended up having like 38 companies, was just crushing it. And then 2008 comes, things go sideways. And, he, and if anyone listens to it, you'll understand like what happened. But he basically ended up getting in trouble with with the SEC, mm. went to federal prison for ten years, <laughs> oh, just got oh. out. He got got he got out in, uh, in like right when COVID hit. Holy crap! But when he was in prison, he was like writing books, teaching uh, real estate to pr- to other prisoners, uh, teaching like business ethics classes. I saw a movie about that. Um, okay, it took place in Maine. Uh, Shawshank? Shawshank Redemption. I yeah, believe. right? It's similar. It's, it really is the same kind of concept. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't, but like this dude, he was, and he was, and he's so humble. And you would never tell, like when I first uh, got on with talking with him, like it, 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 you wouldn't know. Like there was no signs of, of like any, like he just was, again, like just a normal businessman yeah. who yeah. had, you know, you could tell he was kind of edgy, which I totally appreciated. And then he told me the story and I had no idea. I was like, dude, this is awesome. And so again, like he had nothing, he's, he's from Chicago and does real estate has nothing to do with oil and gas. But where I think the interesting part is that anyone can relate to is just decision-making, you know, uh, and grit, downs. determination. And if you get beat down, risk-taking, risk-taking. Yeah. Which, you know, in, in oil and gas, like take Enron, for example, they were extremely brilliant and they got busted for doing things they shouldn't have. And this is kind of the same thing with, with this gentleman, but his intent was good. It's just things happen, and next thing you know, you commit a white crawler crime without really realizing it. Um, but uh, yeah, so again, if people are watching, like oil and gas on shore, and then all of a sudden, this guy's like, "Well, this is nothing to do with oil and gas." So, um, oh, that's I dig that. I'm gonna listen to that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What, I'm actually curious. How did you guys come up with tripping over the barrel? Oh, oh no, no. This guy. All right, I, no, I no. had to ask. <laughs> No, so well, I'll, I'll let's. It's time to tell the story. So we've addressed it a few times. Yeah, but you know, we were we, we basically Jeremy calls me up and says, "Hey, you know, do you want to do a podcast with me?" And we say, "Okay." And we meet with the Digital Wildcatters guys, and we 
kind of heard the story of the girls leaving digital wildcatters and mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't know anything about it, but we were sitting there and we were trying to brainstorm something. So we wanted something that was physical, sound like physical humor. Yeah. And we, I was stuck on the word tripping because one of the stories we were going to tell was a guy tripping over a laptop cable <laughs> okay. in the middle of a meeting in and the middle of the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. we, got so a we, bunch were, of those. we were kind of, we were stuck on tripping and, you know, and then, I forget if it was me or you or someone else, but we said, uh, well, tripping over the barrel. And we all got a huge laugh out of it, probably because. And they're they're like, well, we're like, it is really close. They're like, no, 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 close is good. Close is good. (laughs) It was was so funny because it Uh, was so close and it was kind of an inside joke. And, you know, now we're in it and it's got its own name. You know, I I actually really like the name. I always like the name. No, it's actually really creative. And, 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 and I'll put it out there. I love Macy and I love Jamie. They're awesome ladies. I love both their husbands. But I mean, I can find the humor in just about anything. And it is funny. Like, yeah. I, you just, I have I, to give credit where credit's due. You, it's funny. Thank you. You got to understand who, who, especially who I am too. I take myself far less seriously than most other people do. That's and great. I've had to have those conversations with like, ooh, I, I guess your expectations were a little bit higher than mine of myself. So just, <laughs> just putting that out there, <laughs> but That's no, we, great, man. <laughs> so, I mean, so it is, it is a, a spoof off the name, but it was in no way intended to be, yeah. you know, some sort of a dig or something. It was just kind of, and because we all laughed so hard when it was said the first time, <laughs> yeah, we said we, we have to do it. Yeah. No, it's, it, you know, I respect their hustle, man. Of yeah. Course. No, and I've listened to their show a bunch. I really like what they're doing. Yeah. Um, no, it's, you know, so. Again, and, and, and it's, again, yeah, it's it's funny. It's great. I'm glad you guys stuck with it. Um, I have never talked to either one of them about the show, but uh, I, I had to ask because I didn't, I knew, I mean, just reading it and because I knew I was sort of from the outside looking in, watching that whole evolution of how that all is. Like, I mean, I was, I got, I met Jake and Colin when they were still with OGGN. So like I've been right. at arm's length seeing all this happen. Uh, and so like when, when the tripping over the barrel came up, I was like, golly, like that just fits right into what it's, that's their <laughs> motto. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, I mean, but hey, it's all in good fun, you know. I, I mean, I, look, we're all pushing the industry forward. I think we need more of these. Hell yeah! Um, and and especially like, you know, why did we put this together? I think also it was Tim right at the beginning of COVID. We're like, well, we're not going to be going anywhere anyway, so we might as well just start doing this. Well, I mean, yeah. for me, I I have collected. I'm a storyteller. I love telling little funny anecdotes about you know, guy throwing a credit card at me in the middle of a, of a call or in the middle of a meeting. <laughs> and and I, was too dumb, deal. I was too dumb to recognize the buying signal. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I wanted, I just want, I collected all these stories and I just told Jeremy, and I'm going to write a coffee table book oh, of yeah. just stupid things that happened to me traveling in the oil and gas business. So what, and, so Tim, what is your background? And I've looked at your profile online, but I forget now. What, what did, what's your, well, I'm a, I've always been in technology sales, but I was a, okay. I'm a petroleum engineer. Okay. Um, reservoir engineering is my background. And you know, I oh, went, wow. so I, I did, a, you know, did, where, which school did you go to? Texas A&M. I know I'm kidding. <laughs> <Sir>. <laughs> um, for those who are not you watching did, the you video, never known. for those who are not watching the video, it's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it, yeah. you know, that degree of petroleum engineering, it's a ca- yeah. kind of a weird story. That's a whole nother story, but right. went out and started working in a technical support for a software company and cool. it progressed and wound up being at Schlumberger and Spotfire and Energy Navigator. 
And then uh, now at OVS, I'll always kind of in that same realm, engineering, software sales. So awesome. Very technical. Awesome. What, and, and not, you don't have to necessarily date yourself, but um, what, around when did you graduate from A&M? Because the president of my company graduated from A&M and I suspect you guys may or may not be the same age, but Rick, does Richard Baxter- Class of 1992. 1992. Class of 1992. It's right okay. there on the ring. I don't know if you can see it. Zips 92. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Was that before or after the big bonfire event? Uh, the big bonfire collapse was 1998. Ah, okay. My so brother, did you get to do that? I worked on bonfire. I've got a scar on my fingers from it, but I worked on bonfire when I was there. No way. But, uh, my brother was one of the student leaders of bonfire. He was uh, what they call a red pot. All Aggies know what this is, but he was actually a red pot in 1997. What so is that? what he calls his grandson was actually out there when it fell. Um, so he was, so he, we're, we've got a long history, me and my, my brother with, with bonfire, but he was wow. not there. It was a emotional yeah. moment when it went down. Is no there, kidding. there needs to be a bonfire oil and gas with all the Aggies that are in the space. Are you kidding me? Is there not a bonfire oil? Right. No well, kidding. maybe we should, maybe I should start that. I need up. to After actually, we- I'm going to go get the domain right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. Jerry, Jeremy's starting businesses while he's podcasting. Like that's amazing. Oh, you I'm should see all guy. the stuff he's got now. Yeah. We, hey, you know, Justin, like you should come up with a uh, September, was it 9th? You're having your little thing. So actually, Tim, uh, I'm all about October 1st, October 1st. That's my October 1st. I moved, it. I moved it. I moved it because we're not going to announce this until next week, officially on social media and stuff. I'm doing a golf scramble. Oh, just sweet. bringing together energy tech, you know, salespeople and, and operators up in and Colorado. Yeah, it's going to be in Erie, just down the road, Colorado National, beautiful course, you know, yeah. locked and loaded. So doing it on Friday, October 1st. Um, and yeah, okay. pumped about it. Lots of lots of support. I think everyone's just itching to to do stuff. And I mean, I like playing golf in Colorado yeah. in October. So, no so I was hoping because no, the original plan was to do it for the A&M Colorado weekend. That was oh. September Denver. 9th or something. Yeah. Hmm. And then it was just, I wasn't comfortable with how soon it was. That's all. Yeah, yeah. You, but you could have launched your oil bonfire thing right there. Oh, bonfire oil and gas. Yeah, yeah. No, it's bonfire already, I've already oil branded it. Tournament. Oh, what's the name going to be of it, Jeremy? It's like Funk Futures Scramble, Golf Scramble, oh, yeah. something like so, that. I've noticed. <clears throat> what is Funk Futures? There it is. Yeah. So yeah, pitch. Plug it. Pitch. At, the, at minute forty-six. So you know, you know, Justin, my my career path, uh, well, life, I guess, grew up in New England. Uh, moved to Boulder, Colorado, sight unseen, 2003, got into tech sales, oh. uh, moved into, was recruited into oil and gas software sales, uh, upstream, like back office tech in 2007. Uh, met Tim at Energy Navigator. He was actually my boss for about three years. No doubt. Um, and, and have, you know, really just touched a lot of different applications, some short stints, some longer stints. And recently, like earlier this year, I'm like, you know, it doesn't make sense for me with my network and kind of general understanding of the whole energy tech landscape to just work for one company. So right. kind of put it out to the, as many people as I knew in the industry said, hey, you know, I'd be looking to do some level of fractional um, sales and marketing and whatever capacity you think would work for your organization and people Very that cool. I think have emerging best of breed type products. Yeah. And we've, we've got a bunch I did some work with uh, Tim and OVS group. Uh, EAG, Pandel, help, helping them kind of this, come to the States. And it's, it got to the point where I'm like, you know, I need somebody to do more of the, the kind of day-to-day grunt work stuff, right? The, the content creation, the demand yeah. marketing, the cold calls, because I just don't have time, right? So 
um, I've got like a real process and real team now. So we can go in and say, hey, look, maybe it, it hasn't worked hiring salespeople. Maybe you feel like you're in transition or coming out of COVID. You'd rather have someone fractionally. And, and we offer yeah. our services at kind of lower cost, um, you know, less risk and emotion on both sides. We do kind of a six month type gig. And if it's great, we keep going. If not, we go our separate ways. So just a little bit of optionality, I think, for the energy tech company. No, that's fantastic, man. Good for you. Was it hard making the transition or was it like, was it just blaringly obvious? You knew the demand was there and you could just, as long as you built it, they would come kind of thing. I mean, my, my mentor and and friend, Abe Shasha has been doing this for about 15 years and he planted Uh, the seed for me about four years ago. He's like, I'm good at this, but like you're built for this. Like you, you can switch products and companies and pitches to a CFO, oh, yeah. you know, production. So that gave IT. you some super confidence then, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, it still took me like four or five years to actually like have the cojones. You still to, have to, to pull the it. trigger. Yeah, yeah you no, still have I, to pull the trigger. And most people say no. You know what I mean? Like I pitch this, and they're like, "Well, no, I want full time." And I'm great, of course. Like totally understand. This could be it. Like you said, it's not an and; it could be an or, right? Yeah. Um, and and I think that it, it it provides something that a lot of these companies can benefit from. And you'd be amazed, right? Uh, some of these companies, brilliant dudes, come up with an idea, have a product, get money, and have literally no idea how to run a technology company or do sales and marketing. And that's not yeah. no fault of their own. It's just that situation happens and then they need help. But do you want help with rolling through different chief revenue officers that may not ever pick up the phone and make a cold call? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a, there's a, a balance. No kidding. So are, what's your biggest limitation from growing even more right now? You think people, yeah, like I've because heard people are hard to find. I mean, they're there, but it's like the people who want to actually put in the work instead of collect Biden bucks is tough. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and if the ability for somebody like Gino, who's my, he's actually here right now, but he's like my, my head, like lead gen, you know, what's up, Gino? sales guy. What up G? He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's, He's good, man. I mean, to be able to switch from like, oh, I was just talking about this. Now I got an inbound call from this company is a unique skill set, right? And to be able to develop that and hone that um, takes a certain type of person. A lot of people are like, you know, I like this one thing. I know it perfectly. I'm going to go and sell that. Great. Um, so yeah. it's people that need, you know, that kind of enjoy the the versatility and, and different conversations, different roles, right? Different different hat every day almost. No doubt. No, that's good for you, man. I, uh, I'm, I certainly want to return the favor to you guys and have, have each of you Love just to. individually come on the show. Cause I think a lot of good conversation to be had on, on multiple fronts. Um, I have to ask, so how was it like working for Tim? Like, was this terrible or what? <laughs> we, we, uh, Tim and I have agreed to not talk about that. On oh, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, those, left, eh? actually left and went to a competitor and we'd still go head, head to head sometime and drink beers after. No, I loved working for Tim. Tim, Tim was a big part of the reason why um, I think Energy Navigator had such a familial culture in the US. It was fun for me because I was just starting to have kids and Tim at that point had all three, right? They were younger. All three, yep. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it was just a, it was a really, you know, Autumn, who's, who's with Ambient, Marsha Vihold, you know, Trevor, just a good crew. And I think that actually like plays well when you're in the sales meetings. It's like everybody liked each other, right? So yeah, right. you go in, you get the ham and egg thing, but you also know your stuff. And it's like, if all things are equal, I want to do business with people that I like. Hell yeah. No, of course. And, and I think we did a good job of that. So no, Tim, Tim is a, is a really solid culture builder. He's, he's very measured. Uh, super technical when you need to to lean on him too. I mean, I yeah, I learned a lot from Tim. One of the best bosses I've ever no, had. Oh, that's 
that's really cool to hear actually and which i'm assuming is why there's such synergy now with you guys doing your podcast um i would imagine having two hosts is kind of tough but you guys are, are doing well uh i prefer it I'm, i prefer it because some days yeah. i'm off some days tim's distracted i mean it's going to happen right yeah no hey i get it man it's, i'm laser got, focused man all every laser. Time, no okay. it's it's me i'm the, the one red, that sometimes the red eyes are do you guys are you guys bitcoiners <laughs> with the red eyes too <laughs> i do have to ask though i'm curious because yeah. i'm I, my whole career has been uh in upstream operations so what my exposure to technology is just like the little bits that we get internally for tools and stuff to use but sure. um what is the most exciting thing in the technology space right now and i know that's a such a blanket statement but is there anything like within you know the near future coming down the pipeline that that is interesting to either one of you that that maybe like kind of game breaking or is it all slow transition? I'll, or I'll like- take, let me go first. I, yeah, go ahead, yeah. Go ahead. I think there's, there's a couple things that are excite a lot of people, but no one really knows what to do yet. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, AI yeah. and machine learning, <clears throat> there's a, there's a bunch of that. Everybody wants it. They, they, they know implicitly that it's going to work and do yeah. some things for them. Yeah. But it's really, it's such a long project and we're in such a show me now world. Yes. Yeah. It is difficult to really figure out, hey, I know I want to do AI, but yeah. it's going to be six months before I can get this one little thing answered. And by then we've already solved, you know, we've already put a hammer to whatever problem there was. So that's, that's something that's kind of interesting. And the other part is really this idea of this digital twin being able to simulate the entire operation uh, digitally. Um, and so that it is complex. And so now I'm, I'm approaching this from my side, which is kind of the engineering world. I think Jeremy's yeah. approach more has a little more back office thing. So I think I'll let yeah. you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, part of what I love about what I do is I, I get a really good sense of trends within the yes. industry and what people sort of across the organization want. And it's going to be different. What the CEO and CFO care about is going to be different than what the, even the, the VP of ops or right. IT lead cares about. Um, Trends that I've seen a lot of, especially coming out of COVID, is is far more like outsourcing and fractional resources. It's just the reality where companies have to scale up now, and I think there's some scar tissue from uh, having to let people go over the last few years, and that's there's yeah. pain associated with that, right? Um, so, so I think you know that that's one, and then really two like two footprints. One I would say is sort of the whole production optimization piece, which ties into digital twin and being able to like push a button on the computer and it's, you know, opens the choke more, slows down the rod pump or increases it or operate okay. by exception, right? Like more Uberizing the oil field, like, no, you go here to this well now, sir. Boom. Right. Wow. That's the one in need. So things like that uh, for the field. And those are super cool. And I think those are becoming a little bit more mature. Uh, but for the back office, it's, it's a lot of what Tim said. You could call it AI. I still call it OCR, right? Um, and it reminds me a little bit of the early days of business intelligence, Justin. So, I mean, reporting, right? You pull different data sets together from different core systems, your your forecasts, your actual production, your financials, your invoices, yeah. pull all this together and do analytics. And Tim, you know very well, like those deals 10 years ago were enormous, Right. And now people oh, yeah. are like, well, I could just build that in Power BI by myself or Spotfire conceivably. Right. Yeah. And and people yeah, have $5 more, a month. Right. People have more knowledge and, and expertise in that area. It feels like that with AI, right? Like some people are probably doing some big expensive projects. They don't know necessarily what they're going to get out of it. But kind of after stubbing their toe a little bit, it'll become commonplace. The costs will be driven down and everyone will leverage more AI. 
in the back yeah. office. So I have a question to kind of supplement both of your angles. And and Tim, you, you may be able to help answer this from your reservoir experience, but does it, would it ever come to a point? And I had, I had this like thought and I don't even know if it's an idea, but I just had this like random thought that like at some point, if you could somehow, I don't know, like quote unquote, control the reservoir, let's say you've got a field, you've got 150 wells and, and like Jeremy, you were saying controlling, you know, uh, you know, controlling valves to so say you could either like, you know, ramp up production, slow down production, sure. but like to where the reservoir talks to surface surface talks to, you know, some central control hub, sure. which is tied to commodity prices to where you can like, like AI will literally control reservoir and production based off commodities. Like could, could it all at one point yeah. talk to each other to like, honestly, like be its own machine. Once, I'll yeah. tell you that once it gets, once the oil, natural gas and water gets inside the well bore and starts moving up, the answer is pretty close to yes. But what's so what, one of the cool things about petroleum engineering and reservoir engineering in particular is you don't know. You don't know. I know what the rock looks like in this one foot by one foot square that I'm looking at, but just one foot away, I don't know what the rock looks like. Right. So it's very difficult to actually be able to, you can, this is what reservoir engineering is, is trying to figure out what's out there and how far yeah. out and what does it look like and how's it going to move. And if we inject water over here, is it, so you, you make a lot of educated guesses, a lot of swags, and you, you get pretty good at it and a, lot, and a good feel for it, but it's very difficult within the reservoir to be able to really know what's happening a hundred feet away from the well bore. Of course. Um, you, and we're getting better. Technology is getting better and better and better. So I think to a point, yes, we could get there. And it's not that far off. Yeah. I think knowing if we do this here, how's the reservoir going to react? We can be right within 10%, but we're never going to know 100%. Of course. Yeah. It's yeah. just one of those. Yeah. And this is what's fascinating about petroleum engineering. I tell people all the time. Civil engineer can take a piece of concrete and break it in a machine and measure all the forces on it and have a pretty good idea what's happening. We have to make Sub a guess, or an yeah. engineering guess, and we know we're wrong. We know when we make the estimate that we're wrong. <laughs> You're be right. It's yeah, just yeah. how wrong are you? How wrong yeah, exactly. are you? And is our wrong exactly. answer better than their wrong answer? Yes, it's risk yes. mitigation as much you as know, anything. You know, it's funny. I had a reservoir professor in, in back at State there, and and he he it was very similar along the lines is because – we we're all studying this stuff and making these calculations. We're like, well, how do you know the surface area of the reservoir is this? And he's like, we don't. And like every <laughs> question we had is like, I don't know. We're just guessing. And, and, you know, he's kind of joking about it, but similar to what you're saying, Tim is, is it's a lot of educated yes. And, and, and to what degree are you wrong? And it's trying to like get as accurate as you can, but you'll never be right. Right. And then it's like you said, yeah, one of my you, professors, the first time I, first time I heard the word swag was from one of my professors okay. was scientific wild ass guess. Yeah. And okay. sometimes in good. class, he would stop and say, how did you come up with that? A perfectly legitimate response to this professor was, well, really, it was a swag. Yeah. And it was a perfectly acceptable answer. Oh, OK. Well, it's a swag. OK, swag. Yeah. OK, good. Oh, you were right, right but I don't think you know why you were right. But it was a swag. So good. let's go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Love no, it. it's a fascinating field. But uh, anyway, not to completely derail the, the conversation. Oh, have have you noticed, Jeremy, this turned into him interviewing us? He's good, man. Naturally, good. right? This, I know. I can't believe we're going to do an. We're actually going to do an hour. Have we ever done an hour? This is the first time we cut Chuck oh, Yates shit. off at forty-seven minutes. 
We didn't well, have a probably because he was slurring his words. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing is I'm talking shit and I never even met him, but my wife met him at the energy tech night. So I feel like I kind of know him, but uh, from everything that has been said Hello. about him, my, my, and I'm saying this from my wife said she met him and talked with him. She said he's awesome. So I don't know. It's just one of those guys. I think he likes to, I, I think he's okay with, he's so comfortable with who he is. I think anyone could say anything about him and he's just like, I don't care. Um, yeah, I, no, you I was, know what I mean? So I, I I've never met I, you if you're listening, but I have nothing but respect for you. He's just, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's awesome. Yeah. I was nervous too, because I could tell he's obviously a playful guy and he said something. He's like, yeah, I was talking to my mom. I was like, that's funny. I was talking to your mom too. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. But that's just Chuck, man. Like I, you know, you right? can do whatever you want with him. He's awesome. That's what I'm saying. Like I know enough people who've talked like, and who know him really well. Do I feel like I know where I, my boundaries yeah. are with him, even though I've never <laughs> met him. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I felt like, I felt like that about Colin before I met him too. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wanted to like t- tell him to F off the first two. Remember? Cause like when he first came on social, he's like different now. He He's grown up, but for like right away, he was just F bombs and this industry yeah. so far, far behind. You're going to be left for dead. You idiots. Like, yeah. Whoa. Oh yeah. He, he was, was, not he was blazing, man. Guns yeah. blazing. <laughs> Well, and watching Chuck and him go at each other is kind of fun. Oh, okay. It's just, yeah. It's no, they, there's certainly some some figures out there who, who like to jab at each other, but it's all in good fun. I know, uh, I don't know if you guys know Yusuf Chaudhry, but uh, yeah. when him, when he had, I forget who he had on. Um, He's with Donnie but, now. Donnie's, yeah. Donnie's doing it now. Yeah. yeah. They were interviewing somebody and maybe it was just them two, but they were throwing shots at me so hard and I was laughing my ass off listening to him because someone, I love it. someone was like, yeah. Good, good episode and like all the love that Justin got. And I was like, Oh, I better listen to this. And it was not love. It was like, <laughs> he's the worst podcaster. Like, so great. <laughs> I was like, this is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I don't even care. It was funny. So I appreciate oh, it. Man. Well, keep, keep pushing the game forward. My man we will definitely want to get on your podcast. And you know, yes. thanks for taking us over this hour mark, man. It went, it went, uh, I feel like it could have gone for another hour. I can't believe I just said that, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel like we like, there's so many angles we could have went down, but uh, no, I really appreciate it. It's fun. It, it's nice to, to be on the other side of the table. And, uh, but I definitely want to return the favor and, and do it individually so we can peel back the onion with each of you. I think it'd be fun. Can't wait, man. Right, we'll take shots at each other then. Without yeah. Oh, that'll be great. It's like, who can, you know, who can out, uh, out punch the other one on the podcast. That'd be great. Yeah. Shots Friday afternoon. All right. Sounds good All to right. me. There we go. Hey, it's <laughs> been great, Justin. Love having you on. Great episode. Hey, appreciate Thanks, it. Brother. You guys are awesome. Keep it up. Thanks a lot. Thanks,